Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, so what is the secret to living the Christian life? What's the secret? Is there a secret? Uh, I think there is a secret, not in the sense that it's hidden from us, but a secret, it's like a key, something that will, you know, unlock this for us and so we can really do. But when we ask this question, what's the secret to living like a Christian? By about now in this series, coming from the, the, Paul's letter to the Colossians, you ought to say, I know what's coming next, right? It's Colossians 1.18, that in all things, he may have the preeminence. Right? That's the answer. That's the secret. Oh, that's cool. So we're supposed to keep Jesus first, right? You think that's the secret to the Christian life, keeping Jesus first? Yes. Okay, now how do we do that? That's a challenge, right? You think, if I'm going to keep Jesus first in my life, what does that mean? Are there some things that need to go out of my life and I need to remove? Are there things like that? Are, are there things that need to be added, changes brought into my life? Do, do my relationships and my role into those things need to change? How do I do this? What does it look like? And the Apostle Paul is going to address all of those things as we go through the rest of this letter. But before he does, he addresses uh, in the first four verses something that is crucial for us to understand. Because while there are things that need to go out of our lives, there are things that need to be added, and our relationships uh, need to be adjusted, all those things. If you don't get what we're going to look at today, all of those other things just become a huge burden that you can never get. Okay? If you don't understand and and say, okay, I get that, and I'm going to to adopt what we're talking about here today, the rest of it kind of becomes irrelevant. It's just stuff that you're trying to do. And so what we're going to look at today is really, really important. So let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Colossians, chapter 3, page 1354 in the Bible that's in the chairs there. Excuse me. So what we're going to see in these first four, four verses is more about an approach to life. How do we approach life? Before we get into the details, how do we need to approach these things? It's kind of, and, and what Paul's going to give us here is kind of like an international airport that's a hub where you can get to everywhere else. Okay? And so this approach to life will be like that. If we can get this approach to life We understand it and we commit to it and we try to grow in it and keep working at it. We can get to all the other places we need to get to. So let's read here. Paul says, and the Holy Spirit leading him to say this, says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. 
And so this is the approach to life that we need to adopt. Now, as we look at this very first verse there, if then you were raised with Christ, there is a precondition for this to work in your life, for this to become real in your life. And that precondition is as if you then were raised with Christ. And, and you might say, what does that mean? Okay, and if you've been tracking along here in Colossians, you probably know what it means. Um, but the Bible tells us that when we as human beings become aware of the fact that there's a God that we answer to and the reality is, is I haven't done a good job of being prepared to answer to him for that because I've sinned. I've sinned against God. He's a holy God. And he, he doesn't countenance sin. And so here I am and I've sinned against him repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And if I die in this condition, I'm going to be separated from him forever in hell and say, okay, I, that's not what I want. And we come to understand who Jesus is, that he is the son of God, God in human form, and that he came and lived a perfect sinless life, dies on the cross, as he, and he goes willingly, by the way. He goes and dies on the cross, and as he hangs on the cross, God the Father takes all of my sins, all of your sins, and takes that penalty and puts it on his son Jesus, and he dies paying that penalty. Three days later, he rises from the dead. And so when we understand that the scripture tells us that if we will acknowledge our sin, we'll believe who Jesus said, said he was, and we believe what he did for us, dying for our sins and rising, that we can receive him as savior. And we do that by acknowledging to God. It can be quietly, personally in our hearts. It could be an a loud, I mean, a, a spoken aloud prayer. It doesn't matter, but we say, God, that's me. I'm the one who sinned against you. I'm the one who needs a savior. I believe Jesus is who the Bible says he is and he died for my sins and rose again. And right now, by faith, it's whatever understanding I got, I'm putting my faith in Jesus to be my savior. I'm trusting Jesus. I'm receiving, another way to say, I'm receiving Christ as savior. Okay? Bible is very clear that once we do that, the moment that we do that, a number of things happen. And one is that our sins are all forgiven. Every sin is forgiven. As far as the penalty for our sins will never be held against us again because Jesus paid the penalty. It's paid in full. All right? And then we have eternal life. Uh, we have the life of God within us. And so that when we die, we go on living with the Lord in heaven. And then God moves in. He actually moves in deep down inside of us, that place that was separated from him, that place that was dead to him. He moves in and brings us to life. Now, Part of how the Bible talks about this is that he, when we get saved, God immediately takes us, in a spiritual sense, takes us and puts us into Jesus. Into Jesus. Isn't that good news? Amen. Now, not only that, he comes into us. I don't know which, how you do that. But we're in him and he's in us. We are inseparably united with him. We are in union with Jesus from now on forever. Hey, there's a oneness of spirit and, and he's working on us. So that, that means that Jesus' death, and it sort of becomes my death, that I died to sin. And his resurrection to new life is my new life. Okay, because I'm inseparably united with Jesus and this is changing everything. Oh, yeah. Now, you notice I took a long time to say that. If you look at the text on my page, it's, it's about over half. Paul said, and the Holy Spirit said, nah, you don't need to do here. Just say, if you've been raised with Christ. See, in other words, this precondition is that you know the Lord. 
that you have been saved. If then you are raised with Christ, if you are saved, if you have trusted Jesus as your Savior. And he says this, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. So it's two kind of ideas that are connected. Seek those things which are above where Christ is, and then where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. So here's the, the first aspect of an approach to life that we need to adopt if we're going to experience the Christian life the way the Lord intends for us, and that's this. Number one, seek to live a life that is consistent with your relationship with Jesus. Okay, that's a big approach. I'm not figuring out all the details. I'm saying, I, I need to live a life that's consistent with this relationship that I have with him. Now, this word that's translated seek, you know, it, it can mean to look for. It does mean that. But it has these other meanings uh, included in it. It's getting to the bottom of something. You're seeking. You're trying to figure it out. trying to find it. You're getting to the bottom of it. To be about something. This is what I'm about, seeking these things. Uh, and then to desire. Someone is seeking for something. They can be desiring it, even to the point of requiring it. Requiring something. I'm seeking this, and I must have it. And that's what he's talking about here. Seeking those things which are above. The, the spiritual truths, the things that come from God. Seeking those things. And so... It, it, someone who is seeking like this might make a couple statements like this. First one, that this is what my life is about. This is what I desire more than anything else. See, that needs to be our approach to life. And so, you know, if you ask yourself today, and my wife asks me questions off and on and says, so what do you think? How would you feel about this? What do you think? How do you respond? And I go, I don't know. <laughs> Typical stereotypical man thing, and I can't figure it out. But I would challenge us today, all of us here, to say, what is my life about? And I don't mean what should it be about. Yeah, we've got to figure that out. But what is my life about? If I look at my life and how I'm living, if I look what occupies my mind when I have freedom to think about whatever, when I, you know, what I'm doing with my time and my energy, all those kinds of things. What is my life about? And what we want to do is seek those things, what? Which are above, where Christ is. So things that are consistent with the relationship I have with Christ. And, and I want to get, you know, I desire these more than anything else. And one of the things I know about you as a Christian, if you've received Jesus as Savior, the change he made in you is so profound that I absolutely know that deep down inside, this is what you desire more than anything else. But sometimes a lot of layers of life get laid on top of that, don't they? And we lose sight of that. But if we're going to have the right approach to life, we have to say, this is what my life is about. I'm going to desire this more than anything else. And, and so much so, that idea of becoming a requirement. So the next statement, I'm making it a requirement in my life that everything has to pass through this filter, this filter of consistent with my relationship with Jesus, or it's not going to be part of my life. And so I think of a filter, like an air filter. Sometimes, some places, you know, big air filters they put in, and what's the purpose of the filter? The purpose of the filter is to, oh, filter, that's right. The purpose of the filter is to stop uh, dust from going through, other potentially harmful things from going through, 
Because the goal is that we have this nice, clean, fresh air on the other side that's good for us. And so the filter is intended to try to block out the stuff that isn't. So when we think in our lives about this, um, I, mean, I, I want to make sure I... Yes. So we think about our lives. And there are things... Man, do we live in a messed up world? Now, are we better than the messed up world? Not in and of ourselves, but the Lord has saved us from it, right? But the world in general is messed up and it brings all sorts of things our way. And some of it, what it wants to do is, is bring in moral compromise. Moral compromise is something. What you, you know, maybe through movies and television, have you noticed that there's almost always some form of immorality that is accepted as okay and normal, sometimes even celebrated? Well, when we have this approach to our life, we say, okay, wait a minute, I, I need to filter that stuff out. That is not helpful to me, what's coming into me. I don't need to be watching that. I don't need to be reading that. I don't need to be listening to that, whatever it may be. That needs to be filtered out because it's really not consistent with who I am as Jesus. Now, I am not talking about going out in the world, living your life for the Lord, and you hear bad things. You know, I don't know about you. I hear people cursing and using obscene language, and it really doesn't affect me that much. What it does is reveals to me where they're at, okay? That they need Jesus just like I need Jesus, okay? So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the things that we make choices to allow to come into our lives, okay? This could be uh, a job situation that you're either considering or taking a job situation that's not really a very good situation. It might put you in some bad situations you don't want to be in, and it's not really an honorable work, but you can make a lot of money on it. Well, when you say, wait, my life's going to be about this, about my relationship. It's going to be consistent with my relationship with Jesus. You know what? That job doesn't fit. And so it gets filtered out. You see what I'm saying? Anything in life that comes along like that and is, is not consistent with what it means to be in union with Jesus. Jesus is with me all the time. So everywhere I'm going, everything I'm thinking, everything I'm doing, he's with and So is this choice I'm making consistent with that relationship, see? So, and the relationship aspect is, is really important. So again here, he makes the point. He doesn't say just seek those things which are above. He tells us that this is where Christ is, the one we have a relationship with. And he's important. We already knew this, but he's sitting at the right hand of God, the Father, okay? So a relationship, and think about this. Your relationship being consistent, or relationship with Jesus and your life being consistent. Think about your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or fiance or someone you're close to, whatever. And let's let's talk about if it's me, okay? Now, so let's say I'm married to to my wife. We've been married 44 years. And um, what if I start writing little notes and cards and sending it to other women? Think it's a good idea? Think my wife will like it? Well, how about I just, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna meet someone for supper, it's a friend, a lady friend. And I wanna do it next week too, next week. 
Not going to fit, right? Text messaging, calling. Hey, I'm going to go on vacation. You can't do that, right? You wouldn't do that. Well, people do. And it destroys their marriage, right? But what you see is that I have a relationship with Jesus, and you have a relationship with Jesus. And are we doing that with him? Are we looking to other things that should only be getting from him? I'm valuing this. I'm, I'm in love with that. That's not him. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think which way to go here. The idea is that there are many things in life that we can enjoy. God has given to us. He tells, uh, Paul tells Timothy that God has given us richly all things to enjoy. So if we are yielded to him and we are living a life that's consistent with our relationship with him, all this other stuff is fine. It finds its rightful place, see? And I can enjoy it and be happy about it. But you know what? It doesn't even begin to compare with how I feel about Jesus. And when stuff in our life becomes more important than that, see, we've missed it. And so we, we're not going to be able to experience the Christian life the way the Lord intends it for us. We will dishonor him and we will cause problems in our own life and on it goes. So, First thing, if we're going to have this proper approach to life, is to seek to live a life that is consistent with your relationship with Jesus. All right, verse 2. He says, it's a similar kind of idea. He says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Now, you say, what do you mean? I got to... I got to go home today and drive on these streets, right? I mean, we're not talking about that. And, and Paul isn't, he's contrasting heaven and earth, but he's not contrasting heaven and earth with respect, oh, heaven's all good, earth is all bad. No, he made earth, didn't he? Yeah, and sin is coming and messed stuff up, but he made earth. It's a good place for us to live and serve the Lord and accomplish awesome things. So he isn't doing that. What he's really focusing in on is this idea of the origin of something in your life. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. And the idea is this, that what's in my life and what, you know, what I'm doing in life, why am I doing that? And where did this idea come from? And what he's telling us is our ideas and things we do need to come from where? From the Lord. From the Lord and, and our relationship with him. And again, Paul's, I didn't say this, but Paul is using this idea of above. It's not like it's, oh, it's up there. He's talking about spiritual things compared to physical things, natural things separate from God. And so we're talking about the origin. So um, here's the second thing, and we'll talk more about elaborate. Focus your heart and mind first and foremost on things in life that are consistent with Jesus being first in everything. That's a lot of words. <laughs> but the idea is what needs to be first and foremost in my life is, okay, I, I'm going to focus on this. Why? Because this is part of what it means to have Jesus be first. And this has something, you know, this has to do with Jesus being first. And this, well, this doesn't. Jesus isn't first here, so that's not what I'm going to focus my heart and mind on. All right. He says, set your mind. Three words. Set your mind. And um, this, they translate one Greek word. Go ahead and go to that if you would, Eduardo. Set your mind, they translate a word that means to be mentally disposed toward. You know, I talk about someone who's disposed to something. They have a tendency toward it. To be mentally disposed toward or intensely interested in something. 
And it's thinking that's connected with the heart. And the reason I say it, there's different words for thinking. And the one that's used here, it, it comes from a, directly from a word that means the parts around the heart. In the, in the physical sense, the parts around the heart. And so he says this thinking. So it isn't just intellectual thinking. It's thinking that's connected with your heart, your desires, okay, your loves. So... We need to be, have the origin of what we focus on in life be coming from the Lord. Coming to us through his word into our lives. You know, when this passage of scripture becomes a reality in your life, when it does, where will your priorities be coming from? You'll set your priorities to match what the Lord wants, right? Jesus first in my priorities. How about your goals in life? Well, they're going to be consistent with that too, right? This is consistent with Jesus being first in my life. And the reasons why I do things, my, you know, the reasons why I do any of this stuff is, it needs to have, be consistent and come from the Lord. That needs to be the origin. And, and when we live this way, man, God becomes very, very real in our lives. He honors us in these things. And it's not always immediately, but it's down the line. You know, and this came to mind. Let me use an illustration. Let's say that you say, yeah, I should go to church. I should go to church. And so you go to church. Is that a good thing? Yes. Yeah. And does that fit? That this is a Jesus idea? <laughs> right? The origin of that idea is from Jesus. And then... You go, but you don't really necessarily want to go, but you go because of what other people think of you. Uh, you, you want other people's approval, and so you're going and doing that. What's the origin of that, heaven or earth? Earth, see? It's not from the Lord. So see, the reasons can be wrong. And so we, we need to really settle this, that you know, this is about what's coming from the Lord and what he wants in my life. It's about an approach to life. Now, when this passage of scripture is not a reality in a Christian's life, that means their priorities have not been, you know, gone through the filter that the Lord gives us. It has, it's maybe based on what other people think is important. Our goals in life, you know, we probably got that figured out from the world around us. Our reasoning is going to more match the people in the world around us rather than God. And I tell you, that is an ugly, ugly way for a Christian to live. It's ugly. And if you live your life that way, when you stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ, where he's going to look at your life with you and, and he wants to reward you for the things that you did that were good, what you're going to discover is that you did not honor the Lord. And that all your stuff was this wood, hay, and stubble, earth stuff that's going to burn up and be lost forever. So we don't want to live that way, do we? Once again, I know that if you know Jesus deep down inside, you don't want to live that way. You want to live the way Paul is talking about here. All right, verse 3, 3 and 4 together. He says, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Okay, verse 3. All, this is what we already talked about today. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. What happened when you got saved? What did God do immediately? He put you 
into Jesus, and Jesus into you, okay? And so he's talking about that. For you died, you got, when you got saved, you died and your new life now is hidden with Christ and God. You don't have a life separate from him anymore, okay? That happened. And if, if it hasn't happened for you yet, it needs to. You need to make that decision. And if you have questions about it, let us help you with that, all right? We'd love to do that. But so for most of us here, that's already happened. How many of you would just, with a quick raise hand today, say, yes, that is already in my past. I have received Jesus as Savior. Okay, right? That's in the past. Here we go, okay? Then, verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, okay, we're wrapped up in him. When Christ, who is our life, appears, that's the future, isn't it? Yeah. Talk about the Lord returning to earth. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So because you're united with him, he's going to share his glory with you. And I'd be honest, I don't quite understand how that all looks or what it means. But I think it's good. Right? When Christ appears, we're going to be with him and we're going to share in that glory. That's future. So we have this event in the past, right? And we have this what's coming in the future. So the third thing, if you want to get this approach to life correct, consider what Christ has already done in the past and what he's going to do in the future and live now in a way that's consistent with them. Okay, so here we are. I've been saved. I've been saved for 47 years now. I received Christ. That's in the past. There's a day when he's going to appear in the future and I'm going to be with him. He's going to return to earth. All that's going to happen too. What I have to be concerned about is what's going on, what? Between here and here. And my life here ought to what? Should it match those two things, that beginning and that ending? And so we want to think about our lives because if we are, you know, these other things we've talked about, if we aren't living that way, what's happening is our life in the middle here isn't matching what Jesus has done for us and what he's going to do for us. It's something out of whack. And so I, I thought of it about like this. Think about the movie, the one, It's a Wonderful Life. Okay? Most people like this movie. If you don't, don't let anybody know. Because right? it, you'd be an outcast. It's a wonderful life. But so imagine if we took this, this movie and we have the introduction, the beginning part of it, and then we cut it. And then we have the conclusion, we cut it. Yeah, thanks, you got ahead of me. And let's put the movie Psycho in the middle of it. Not going to match, is it? Okay, how about Forrest Gump? Put him right in the middle of that movie. Still got the same beginning, same conclusion, but it, it doesn't match. How about Back to the Future? Well, maybe we could make that one work. I don't know. A little more modern, right? How about Minions, Gru and the Minions? Doesn't make sense, does it? It does not make sense at all to do that. The only thing that's going to make sense is when you have It's a Wonderful Life with the beginning and the ending and what's supposed to be in the middle. And what you say is that's the way we need to be living as Christians. He saved me. He's going to glorify me. I want this part of my life to match that. And so we think, what is the secret to living like a Christian? It's this approach to life. 
What's the secret? Go ahead and go forward if you were there, Eduardo. What's the secret to living like a Christian? And so what you just ask yourself today, ask this question, am I living like a Christian? In other words, is my life consistent with my relationship with Jesus? Ponder that, right? Take a little time some point today, tonight, tomorrow, and say, is my life really consistent? And what's likely to happen is you'll find a bunch of areas that are consistent, and you say, well, you know, but this area, I don't know that that's really consistent, and so maybe you want to make a change how you approach life. Second thing, are your heart and mind focused first on things that are consistent with Jesus being first? Not just your intellect, but your, your heart. Wow, this is what I want. And then the third thing here, based on your past and future with Christ, are you living now in a way that's consistent with them? So what is the secret to living like? Living life like a Christian? You've got to pattern your whole approach to life in a way that keeps Jesus first. It's not about all the details at all. It's how am I going to approach my life? How am I going to approach it today, the rest of the day? How am I going to approach it tonight and tomorrow morning and every day after? Because once again, if we can surrender to the Lord in this, the, the kind of approach to life that he's told us about here, if we can surrender to the Lord in that, and I know that the next day you wake up and you forget. But the idea, you surrender to the Lord in that, he'll, he'll take you seriously and he'll begin working and help you more and more to have your approach to life be what the Lord intends it to be. And when your approach to life keeps Jesus first, everything else is going to find its place and be a blessing in your life. Father, we come to you today. Thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would really help us to see ourselves accurately the way you do. And that's a good thing, Lord. I think we might think it's a bad thing, but that's a good thing because you see us as your beloved child. You see us as holy because you've given us Jesus' holiness. You see us uh, all of those good ways. And yet you also see, Lord, and know the things in our lives that don't match that. I pray you'd help us to see those things. Big things, little things in between. And help us, Lord, to remember and believe that the absolute very best choice we could ever make would be to align ourselves with you. That we would adopt this approach to life that will keep Jesus first in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you. We'll start our Bible studies in about 25 minutes. Oh no. Let me, let's pray right now, okay? Father, we bring Katie Sue to you and her family, Lord, and the loss of her mom. Oh, Lord, I know that Katie Sue's heart, his desire is to honor you with her life, and I pray you'll walk her through this moment by moment, give her a, an awareness of your presence, comfort her, encourage her, give her strength when she needs it, give her the sense that she's free to cry when she needs to. I pray, Lord, 
uh, that you will be honored and glorified through all of this and that you'll meet Katie Sue's needs, the family's needs along the way. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you.